John chapter 6, verse 14. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and to make him king, Jesus, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Now it was dark. Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near to the boat. They were frightened. He said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and uh, immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, and that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. And so when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boat and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. And they said to him, What must we do? What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them. This is the work of God that you believe in Him whom He has sent. This is John's account of this scene on the Sea of Galilee. Matthew recounts it and so does Mark. Probably be helpful if we could turn in our Bibles to Matthew chapter 14 today and we'll just get a picture of how Matthew reports this situation. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Just to give us a, a little bit of uh, additional information. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 and following. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And he said, they and said, it is a ghost cried out in fear but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying take heart it is I do not be afraid and Peter answered him Lord if it is you command me to come to you on the water and he said come 
So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. When he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. So, Lord Jesus, again, we come to look at scriptures as we've already contemplated, thought about, and asked that you would be with us and guide us with your spirit and teach us and ask you to strengthen our lives because of this passage. I pray this in your name. Amen. So they're out there and they have been sent. And in Matthew, one of the key words is in verse 22, one of the reasons I wanted to bring that section to you was that it says, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. Now that's an odd thing. He made them get into the boat. Did he not know there was going to be a storm on the sea? Well, sure he knew that there would be a storm on the sea. He's the omnipotent, omniscient God of the universe. The Apostle John has already set this out, that Jesus is God in human flesh, Yahweh in human flesh. That's John's mission. Now, Matthew and Mark as well, they have some more detail about that Galilean ministry that we thought about last week. A little more detail there. They add some different perspective um, than what John has. But John's not just repeating what Matthew and Mark include. John fills in. John's mission, his purpose is for his readers, us today, listeners, to come to a conviction that Jesus is God, the supreme God. The, the most high God, all-powerful God. The other disciples kind of come at it as a, as a, a, in a direction. Not that they don't believe that. They certainly do believe the same thing. But they come at it more as his ministry activity that uh, he was involved with. And John's coming at it with this way. His primary purpose is to declare and set forth that Jesus... He's the Son of God, divinity, deity. He's God. So that helps us understand why John doesn't include some of the things, well, like Peter walking on the water. Well, that information would have already been in circulation. John didn't need to repeat it. He's adding to that picture. So Jesus makes these, made these disciples go out. He sends them away from the crowds. We think to ourselves, well, why would he do that? It seems like he's putting their life at risk. And really, he's giving them, well, a lesson and a test in one event, really. A lesson and a test. They had just witnessed the feeding of the 5,000 and had the loaves and the fishes left over. They had the 12 baskets that the disciples did. They had also been with Jesus and seen other miracles and other things happening, miracles happening in his ministry among the people. That's the crowds are flocking to Jesus because of all of this miraculous activity. They had seen that. Jesus is, is really he's teaching these disciples. He, they're going to have to step up. 
when he's gone, he's going to, and they're going to have to step up and lead in his work on this planet, lead in the work of eternal life. And he's teaching them through all of these miracles, all of these activities, he's teaching these disciples. They, they learned something when they saw the multiplication of the loaves and fishes. Well, only God does that. Now, there's a lesson also out here on the sea. It's also a little, a little bit of a test on how much you've captured so far. And one of the things we can observe about these disciples being on this, this sea, in this storm, is that they have the freedom to grow. Freedom to grow in the Jesus-centered life, I call it. Freedom to grow in the Jesus-centered life. You remember how the crowds were so excited, they wanted to make Jesus king. They wanted to make him a political king. And they, they wanted him to be their representative. They, they wanted to install him in a position of power and there'd be a revolution, a revolt against Rome and Jesus would have any of that. Jesus is a king. He doesn't need them to make him a king. In fact, Satan had tempted Jesus with that in Matthew chapter 4. I'll give you all the kingdoms of the world. Just worship me, Satan says. And Jesus already has all the kingdoms of the world. And he doesn't need any of that. These people, this crowd, want to install Jesus to be the, the, the king, their king, their revolutionary king. And Jesus says, that's not part of my plan here. Jesus is revolutionary for sure, but revolution in the heart, revolution in the soul. Not the kind of political, governmental type of revolution that these people would have loved to see because they're under this dominant oppression from Rome. They're sick and tired of Rome. He's, they're seeing something. This miraculous miracle worker has shown up on the scene. They've had enough. He's the one. He's the one that was prophesied about. He is the prophet, remember? The prophet coming from Deuteronomy 18. That, that one like Moses would come and he would be a deliverer. Like Moses was the deliverer led out of God. Really is doing the delivering, but working through a human being. He's, he's delivering those Israelites out of Egypt. So here they see one like Moses has finally come. Just like the, just like the scriptures had said. He's here. Let's set him up. Be our king. Now we already understand that Jesus will have none of that. He, it's not his time. But what about the disciples? Wouldn't it be easy to get caught up in that? You're a disciple. They're wanting to make your teacher, your rabbi, king of Israel, revolutionary king of Israel. And you're a close ally of his. You're, you're one of those that actually he calls into service to serve the loaves and the fishes and, and to organize and do things. You're one of those that he has already sent out on a mission and, and they've, they've had miraculous interactions with people in the, the region. Wouldn't it be easy for those disciples to get caught up into that and say, I'd like a little bit of that. I'd like to be part of that. And so there's all the crowds flocking around Jesus. Let's make you king. And the, the disciples are like, yeah, you can imagine. 
we'd like to be part of that. <laughs> we would have, a, here we are, mere fishermen, not of any account of on our own, very common, and we could have some place of prestige. Jesus makes them go to the sea. <laughs> See, in that, in what I've tried to describe right there, they will not have the freedom to grow to be more Christ-like. They'll be in bondage to the crowds. They'll be in bondage to this, this picture, this dazzling picture of pride, honor, power, prestige, our rabbi, closest associates, setting up a great council. We're the ones that they're in, they would be imprisoned in all of that. They wouldn't be growing to be more like Jesus. They wouldn't be coming to an understanding of what his ministry is, who he, a deeper understanding of who he is, representing him on this earth, calling out and declaring the greatness of Jesus. They wouldn't be growing in that. They would be relishing in all of this political power. So, strangely enough, Jesus, by, by making them, sending them out on the water, away from the crowds, is releasing them to grow, to be stronger disciples. Releasing them to, to grow in, in His purposes and, 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 and grow in strength in what He has planned for them and the purposes of God. Not, not, that they, not so that they would grow and get stronger in the purposes and goals of the crowds, of the people, but so that they would grow in His purposes. So it says, they made, Jesus made them go out on the water. At this point in their ministry, they would really be in greater danger to stay with the crowds than to be set apart from them. They would have easily been tempted easily to fall in to what the crowds were desiring and wanting. So they go out there on that, that water. They're obedient because he sends them away. And Jesus goes up into the mountain. Now this Sea of, of Galilee, some of you may have researched this, have studied on this, but the Sea of Galilee is 700 feet below sea level. And the, the, around that sea are these mountainous areas. At nighttime, the air cools. It comes down, down the slopes of those mountains. It collides with the warm air on the water and causes a storm. Ca causes chaos. Now the disciples, at least some of them, several of them, are fishermen. They're accustomed to being out on the water. They're not too concerned about going out on the water themselves. They're not looking forward to being in a storm, one of these raging storms. But for Jesus to send them out on the water in a boat, it's not really too, too, much, too challenging for them on the surface of it because they're, they're fishermen. They understand the water and they understand navigation and a boat how that 
that all works. And so they set out and they go. They're in, in obedience. Jesus tells them to go this way. And then they get out there on that water. And John tells us that it was dark in verse 17. It was now dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. Now with, with John, as we've already seen, some of his language can have a double meaning. Obviously, clearly, it's literally dark. But there can also kind of be this spiritual darkness at play. That's certainly the case with the blind. There's the physical, real aspect of it, but that points to something spiritual. But they're, they're out there, and they're in this darkness. They're, they're going into the wind. There's this resistance that's coming against them. And they're rowing, and they're rowing, and they're rowing. And you can imagine the frustration they, they would have had. See, Jesus had already been with them in a storm, in a boat prior. He, he, he was in the boat in, in the first storm. And he was sleeping away. And they, they were panicking. And, and they wake him. And he calms the storm. Now, that's already happened. This time, they're there on their own. He's not in the boat yet. He, he's not in the boat. He, they're sending him out. Can you put yourself in the, the, the mind, the shoes, the, the, the oar with the disciples? Why would he do this? Is he not all-knowing? He's proved himself to be a prophet. Now, here he is. He sent us out. He knows they would have thought to themselves, did he not know? that there was going to be a storm and look at what was the situation that we're in. All we were, we were just being obedient. We were just doing what He told us to do. We, we were just following our, our rabbi's command. We we're just following our Lord's command. Just moving in a, a direction that He wanted us to. And here we are. We're in this place of darkness. We're in this place of resistance. And, and you can imagine just the boiling frustration that they might have had. We could have been back there with all those crowds and life could have been a lot better and here we are out here. Are we going to die? This is not looking very good for us. You ever been in a place of darkness? A place of maybe frustration? A place of resistance? With John, there's always the, the very physical part. They were physically on this water. This was a real, historical, physical event. But there's also the spiritual aspect that goes in all of John's teachings. What a, what a picture of the, the spiritual life of those who follow Jesus, of those, those who follow in obedience, not trying to be disobedient, following in obedience to be in a place where it's, it's, it's so dark. It, se it seems dark. It seems... There's a lot of resistance to how you want to live, how you want to represent your life. Living in times like that today, anybody? Resistance, frustration. Why doesn't he know? Can't he do anything about this? All we are doing is following the command of our Lord. He said to live like this, to do this, to obey his teachings. To grow to be more like Him. To interact with the world and, and our society and in our culture. Enter into it in a way that is more like Him. More Christ-like. All we're doing is what He wants us to do. Wow. 
sending them directly into what he knew would be a life-threatening situation. Not really life-threatening to him, but in the minds of those disciples. They're in that place. It says in that previous situation they were in with Jesus in the boat in Matthew chapter 8, they were terrified. And that gives it, that was that situation. This is a different situation, but we can imagine that they were plenty terrified. And all they were doing was following what their rabbi had told them to do. Well, Jesus is not unaware of their very difficult situation. He's not unaware of your, perhaps, very difficult situation. He had gone to pray on, on the, the mountain. But he was under their, their watchful eye. When we read Matthew, Mark, and, and when we see John here too, we can, we can see the picture that, that Jesus can see them. He sees the storm. He knows what's going on. He's not surprised. He's not unaware of where he's taking them and what they are doing. But in their minds, it's just nearly a hopeless situation. You know, that picture of what is, what's going on on that lake with these disciples and them following the command of Jesus, and Jesus being aware all of the time, not surprised at all. Well, Warren Wearsby offers some helpful comments, I, I think. I want to share those with you. And I'll just read a section of what Wearsby said about this. I'll just... It hit home with me and perhaps with you. The storm came because they were in the will of God and not like Jonah, out of the will of God. Did Jesus know that the storm was coming? Certainly. Did he deliberately direct them into the storm? Yes. They were safer in the storm in God's will than on the land with the crowds out of God's will. We must never judge our security on the basis of circumstances alone. As we read our Bibles, we discover that there are two kinds of storms. Storms of correction, when God disciplines us, and storms of perfection when God helps us to grow. Important distinction for me and helpful for me, perhaps for you. Storms of correction when God disciplines us and storms of perfection when God helps us to grow. Jonah was in a storm because he disobeyed God and had to be corrected. The disciples were in a storm because they obeyed Christ and had to be perfected. Jesus had tested them in a storm before when he was in the boat with them. 
But now he tested them by being out of the boat. Many Christians have the mistaken idea that obedience to God's will produces, quote, smooth sailing. But this is not true. Quote, in the world you will have tribulation, Jesus promised, John 16, 33. When we find ourselves in the storm because we have obeyed the Lord, we must remember that He brought us here and He can take care of us. Warren Wearsby. So here they are, they're obedient, they're following what Jesus had commanded them and Jesus is not... Uh, unaware of their uh, situation and they, they haven't quite they're being taught something here they, they haven't quite made the connection because remember the official's son the nobleman's son Jesus healed that son from a distance and they, they learned there they saw for themselves that Jesus didn't have to be right there to do for the healing to take place and so they they had seen and had already been taught that Jesus, He can certainly do, do a, a healing, miraculous work in His own presence, physical presence here, but He can do it when He's not there as well. Only God can do something like that. But they're rowing against these waves, and they're rowing against the waves. And Jesus appears, and He appears while these disciples are busy. They're very busy. They're busy about fulfilling the task that He had given to them. Verse 18, And the sea became rough because of the strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, the sea is, they say, seven miles across, you would take, seven miles across. The point John is making is they're out there in, in the large body of water. There are a long ways from land, when they had rowed three, uh, three or four miles, they're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing. Jesus says, go to the other side. They're rowing and here's the wind. They're rowing, they're rowing. They're trying to be obedient, doing the best they can. They're fighting this wind and they're rowing and they're rowing. And notice that Jesus shows up while they're rowing. While, while they're involved in the task that they were assigned to do, as rough and as difficult as that task might be, your task might be to extend compassion and care to someone, and it might be a very difficult task to do that. It, it might mean taking a stand in your, your place of employment. It might mean to take a stand for Jesus in the name of Jesus, Somewhere in our, our culture, you're rowing. You're rowing obedient to Jesus. You get it. You want to follow Him. You want to live for Him. You want Jesus as Lord of your life. Just not words that are, that are stated mindlessly, but they mean something to you. You're rowing and you're rowing and you're rowing and that is where Jesus shows up. They didn't just give up and we don't we don't see that here that they're no longer about the task that Jesus had assigned them they're just blowing letting the waves blow them across the they're they're still at it they're still at it and then Jesus shows up now we can get a taste we can get a sense that they would have been frustrated 
I would have been, I don't know about you, but I would have been. Uh, <laughs> you're God. You're, you're, you're the Son of God. You're the, the Son of Man. You're the Messiah. You can't calm this storm like you did before in the boat. Didn't you know this was going to happen? Why are you doing this? And, and, and this, this, this forgetfulness that I mentioned earlier where they had been and what Jesus had done in their life, who they were having been called by Jesus. They have in their, their, their boat these baskets. It's, it's the, those baskets are our witness. They're, they're witnessing. You have been given baskets of food. You, the, the, the people, they would surely have been remembering the people being fed until they were full, until they were satisfied, the disciples were satisfied, but they had baskets of food, giving witness Remember what he did? Remember what he did? And it seems like that's not the, not having influence. It's not, not shaping, like not encouraging them. They're forgetting where they are and where who they have been with and what, what it means to be following Jesus and the power that he has. And so they, they, they're rowing and they're straining. They're, they're, they're focused on their task. A little bit of this frustration going on. Very chaotic. A lot of wind. A lot of waves. A lot of water. All of this going on. And they don't recognize Jesus. They, they think He's a ghost. When He shows up, it, it scares them. He, they're frightened. And, and they, they, I think, have gotten into their task so much and they've forgotten, have not remembered who they are, where they came from, what they had just witnessed, the power of, of their Lord, their Master, and that He was caring for them and He's not going to let them drown. He's not going to let them die. He's not going to let them be killed. He's not going to let them be destroyed because He has a plan for them. I will make you fishers of men. I, and he has a plan for them. But they're working at it and then when He shows up, they have a very difficult time even recognizing Jesus. They really didn't have any kind of expectation. Expectation that God would work for them. And we have to ask ourselves, I have to ask myself, perhaps you, give the expectation that God would show up in your situation. Hope You hope so for sure. You hope God shows up and works in your situation. But any expectation that He'll show up and, and as we've already thought about, that he shows up and he acts in a way, or he, his, the miracle is performed in a way that was not anticipated. If, he, if you were one of the disciples of the boat, you'd be thinking, well, if he is going to show up, then calm the water and we'll continue sailing, you know, and we'll move, move along across. We don't expect what we see here. Is there any expectation that he'll work. They're very frightened. They're fearful. He, he shows up and, and when they rode these three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea coming near the boat and they were frightened. They were frightened. And it's a strange thing for sure to see someone walking on the water in a storm. We can identify with them. But apparently, they're not expecting that God would work in a powerful way and save them and deliver them. 
We have to ask ourselves, are we expecting, are we remembering what God has done in our life and are, are we expecting as disciples of Christ in faith, followers of Jesus, expecting Him to move and to work in a way that is to our better betterment, to our good and gives God the glory. Are we expecting Him to show up or perhaps maybe, maybe not? Well, he does, he does show up, as we've already thought about. He comes into the boat. They receive him into the boat. Very, very important that they have received Jesus in, into the boat. They come. He says, it is I. That phrase, by the way, is most likely to be taken as just an identification. It is I. That phrase, John will use that same Language we'll see in a few chapters. It is I. That's the, the covenant name of Yahweh. It is, it is I. I am. But here, it seems to be simply an identifier. Calling out to them. You know, it's, it's, it's me. And they were glad, it says, glad to take him into the boat. And immediately the boat was at land in which they, they were going. Here he, here he comes and he, he suspends gravity. <laughs> He's walking on the water. Of course, we also read there that uh, Peter uh, was a part of that. He was able to experience that however briefly it was. But here comes Jesus. Gravity is suspended. The laws of nature are suspended. As well as the, the, the storm being calmed and the waves calming down. And then it says immediately in verse 21, they were glad to take him to into the boat and are we glad to have Jesus in our boat but they immediately had him there in the boat immediately the boat was at the land in which they were going and there's a lot of discussion on how that happened and what might have taken place but it, it seems very direct uh, from John that he's marking out another miracle take, took place. Some have said well, maybe, they, maybe they were by the shore anyway. And so they just, Jesus got into the, he had been walking by the sh shore and waded out and got in the boat and, what, and they were there by the shore anyway. That kind of thing. But that doesn't really fit the context with John. John's wanting us to know something miraculous happened here that they were out in this water dangerous situation. Jesus gets into their boat. They're already following Him, but the, the chaos of the moment causes them to, 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 to almost be in a position that they can't see. They can't recognize Jesus when He comes. But He gets into the boat and immediately it's over. Storm's over. They're on the land. What I, I want to leave you with is that as we call Jesus into our boat, into our challenging situation, we have to expect that He's going to act as disciples. He loves us and is merciful for us, with us, on our side. But He very likely will act in a way that's very, very surprising. Very surprising. Unexpected. Not act in a way that 
that we might have thought that he should, or this is the predictable way. This is the way it's going to work with Jesus. Very likely, he'll work in a way that we do not anticipate. But let's, this week, expect that God's going to show up and work in our way in a surprising manner, and one which we'll remember, and that we will have deep joy over. Let's pray.